you know, just like physical illness, mental illness can be overcome. We just got to inspire people to believe that. The mental health community and the firearms industry spent way too much time running parallel to each other without communicating. It's time we change the narrative and destroy the stigma that we both face. Walk the Talk America presents Guns and Mental Health, a podcast for firearms owners, clinicians, and the curious public. Edgar and Theon is joining us on the Walk the Talk America podcast. I'm glad we got the pronunciation of your last name, by the way. With a last name like Wiskirchen, I'm sensitive to other people's <laughs> names and how they're pronounced. Yeah. Uh, Edgar uh, is joins us from the state of Colorado. He's uh, he's a gun uh, shop owner. For, for, well, was, those operations are in suspension. We can talk about that if you want. But, but uh, he's a trainer. And he uh, runs an organization called Guns for Everyone, which I know probably sets some people on edge just hearing those words, but that's okay. That's why we have things like shows and podcasts to discuss those sensitive subjects. But um, Mike's with us also. Hello, Michael. Hello, Edgar. It's good to see you. You're also good a filmmaker. Yeah, filmmaker. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of a filmmaker as well. Well, why don't you uh, continue introducing yourself because you know yourself better than we do. Tell the audience who you are and what you do. You know, the, the regular spiel, uh, um, uh, parents are from, from Mexico. I was born and raised in, in Denver to, to uh, migrant parents, first generation born here in the U.S. Um, didn't grow up with, with guns much um, as it's kind of more of a taboo in the Mexican culture than anything else, but... Uh, later on in life, I, I'd say in my early 20s, um, became intrigued with, with firearms and then later became became a, an instructor with the company that I was working with. And yeah, from there, grew guns for everyone. Uh, myself and, and Isaac Chase, we in 2010, we, we came up with uh, this idea of just doing the YouTube thing. And then it kind of grew into an activism and currently the, the largest handgun training company in the state of Colorado in that. Um, in that process, we've seen a, a lot of kind of gaps that needed to be filled. So that, that's kind of where the, the filmmaking came about and, and my interest with mental health and um, just kind of filling in those, like I said, those, those gaps that just weren't being filled by uh, the gun culture at all. Before we get too deep into the podcast, I want to make sure we thank our sponsors and acknowledge them. Uh, first and foremost from the firearms industry is Arms Corps. Check out armscore.com, A-R-M-S-C-O-R.com. Learn about their uh, firearms and ammunition sales and manufacturing. They're uh, local to Nevada out of Pahrump, and um, we're really, really proud to have them on board. They're the first manufacturer that's really reached out and uh, given us substantial support. Uh, there are other ways to support us. You can check out the website for that. Go to walkthetalkus.org, and um, we we thank you. Also, Zephyr Wellness, which is the company that I co-own in northern Nevada with my co-owner, Lindsay Bell. We were the first mental health agency to partner with Walk the Talk America, and we're super stoked about that. Check out zephyrwellness.org to learn more. Uh, follow us on all the social media channels that you have access to, uh, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So back to the conversation, um, Edgar, I want to know more about the stigma of guns in the Mexican culture, because 
I once interviewed Yehuda Rimmer, who's known as the Pew Pew Jew in the community, yeah. on my mental health podcast, Noggin Notes, and we talked about um, his his history, his family's you know culture, and and um, traditional Orthodox Jew uh, belief systems. And it was very similar what he had, he had said. It was like it's I'm, I'm sort of an outcast because I'm right. the guy out here outspoken, and um, I'm, I'm wondering if your experience is similar and why. Um, I, I'm an outcast for for other reasons, not just because <laughs> of the, the, the gun thing, but in in the Mexican culture, especially here in the U.S., um, if you go to to Mexico, uh, I got uncles who own guns out there. I got uncles who, but it's just not as big as it is here. I mean, hunting is a big thing in Mexico. Gun ownership is a real thing in Mexico. People uh, here in the U.S. will tell you that it's completely outlawed in Mexico. You can never own guns in Mexico, and that's just not not the case. Um, I mean, it's very restricted. But when you come to the U.S., it, it, it changes something in, in, in the culture, in the Mexican culture, and I think in the black culture as well. And the only thing that I can say about it is that Stockholm Syndrome is, is a son of a bitch. Um, and, and that's really what it comes down to is you, you have a, a systemic issue going on in the U.S., uh, regardless of how deep you want to get into it or not, but the, we, we have to acknowledge there is a systemic thing that tells you, especially in the inner cities, what we hear in the inner cities is where I grew up in the hood um, is guns are only to be had by, by bad people or by cops. There's no in-between. There's no gray area there. There's no good citizens with cops in the hood. It, you're either a criminal, a gangbanger, or you're a cop, and that's it. And that kind of just continues on. Um, and, and people gravitate to that. People um, come from these countries where there's chaos and there, there's cartels. And when you have a government who says, hey, we're going to protect you, there's safety here. I, I think a lot of people forget about freedoms and in, in, in that pursuit for that, that safety net. Um, so... I, I believe Stockholm Syndrome is really the, the biggest thing. If we're going to give it just a, a name, um, I think that's really the, the culprit. That's really fascinating. And I mean, we're on a guns and mental health podcast here. So there's there's two angles that I don't know that we've ever really fully uh, acknowledged. At least Mike and I probably haven't. Um, go a little deeper with that, if you will. Personal experiences, anecdotal experiences, cross-cultural experiences, and and give the audience a little bit more of a a bird's eye view of what you're talking about there. Well, you know, going to, to school in, in inner city schools, um, anytime you, you have this fascination, cause I, I'm still, I'm still a guy. I'm still a, a little boy that, that wants to pew pew and do the finger guns and stuff like that. But you, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like, um, and, and without deviating too much, but it, it's kind of like that little kid who thinks about having that Ferrari and that Lamborghini and, and all that stuff. It's just like, it, it's cool to think about, but you're never going to have it because if you do have it, there's only certain ways that you can have it. You can only be a drug dealer or you can only have some really far-fetched dreams and, and stuff like that. And having f firearms is, is again, is just that no, only bad people have those guns or only uh, the government officials are the ones that are supposed to have those guns. Um, and again, we, we don't get offered an in-between. We, we don't get offered that. So it's just like, it, it's just, it's done. So there's a what, lot of what what is that? Sorry, let me interrupt you there because I'm going to hover there for a second. What what is that about? Like why 
why does the idea of personal self-defense and personal accountability not get entered into? Well, you, you got to understand that we're in inner cities here. A lot of these cities are, are ran by by a, a government who is very much, without getting too political, it's just very statist, very, very on the anti-gun side, not so much on the, the pro-gun side. So... When they control the school systems, when they control the curriculum, when they control the politics, when they control the conversation, it's very easy for for you and your homies to just say, "Hey, if you own this, you're a bad person," but and and we're here to protect you. We're going to provide the security for you. So a lot of it is just systemic racism. It, it falls back to the Thirteenth Amendment uh, when you free a bunch of slaves, and all of a sudden you you need a way to control them. Um, so you create laws that are going to make them criminals. Um, and if you make laws that, that creates criminals, then it, it's, it's very easy to get them back into the system that you just freed them from. Um, so if, if we really want to go back down to the roots and really go really, really back, I mean, that's, that's ultimately where it comes from. Um, we don't look at it like that anymore because, again, Stockholm Syndrome has told us that this, that's, that's not what it is. It's just... It's just our, our, our overlords are, are just trying to protect us and keep us safe. And um, they provide the safety and that comfort and that security for us. It's, it's for your own good, don't you know? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting because as someone who kind of grew up oblivious to growing up, you know, for me, growing up in Jersey and San Francisco, but being in the gun industry and like looking back on my childhood and, you know, coming from a place where like guns were, were okay – Right. Like just because it was like my grandfather has a company and he's into guns and everything like that. Um, it, it's weird how guns have become such a political thing. Like you can identify a Democrat by his anti-gun stance or, you know, if someone's talking about how much they love guns, they're assumed to be a Republican um, or right, you know, right yeah. of center type person. Um, and it bugs me a lot because like most of my friends that are pro gun that I hang around with are actually, you know, more towards the liberal side. Correct. Um, and it's really funny how that, that's just become, and I, and I'd say inner city, if you look at inner city, uh, predominantly Democrat. Correct. Right? And the assumption there is that, Hey, you know, if you're a Democrat, you, you can't stand guns. It's guns is a, it's an interesting one to me. It's one where yeah. I'm always just like, how did all of a sudden that become a political piece? Correct. Well, there's a there's a city here in, in Colorado. It, it's 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 basically it's basically our Jersey because uh, it's definitely our armpit of the the state. It's, Thank it's you. Not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, though. Right, Mike's from New Jersey. For those of you in the listening oh, audience who don't trust know. me, he knows. <laughs> uh, so it, it's it's Pueblo, Colorado. So Pueblo, Colorado is heavily Democrats. A lot of Hispanic influence. A lot of Native American influence. It might as well be part of New Mexico. If you really look at it in, in, in the geography and the dem demographics, it, it, it really resembles New Mexico more than anything else. But that's one place that actually in 2013 recalled their senator because of their anti-gun stance. So very, very Democrat. But it, it's kind of to, to, to speak on your your the, this weird lingo like that city is one like, no, we're Democrats, but like we love our pew pews. Uh, you're not going to take our pew pews. And if you do anything anti pew pew, we're, we're, we're going to recall you first time in our, in our state history. That's where it came from is Pueblo, Colorado, weird, weird little pocket of the U S where, uh, that, that love for guns 
doesn't mix with politics. It outweighs it just, everything. <laughs> correct. Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that for a second because I, I love I love the idea of being uh, on a podcast where um, we can dive into these issues a little bit unvarnished. Um, why does the gun issue transcend politics? political parties or political divisions. Although if you listen to the, what's being commercially produced and what's on social media, it doesn't look that way. It looks highly divisive, but we, I think we all can come to the conclusion now that, that most of the people spouting off on social media are a fractional percentage. They just happen to have the bi biggest megaphones. Um, but, but why, why does this transcend political lines? I, I, for me personally, I, I, I can only go with the, the little bit that I know. Um, when I was running for office, it, it was you, you attend a lot of classes and you go to a lot of these, these um, lectures. And um, one of the things that you find out is really quick that it, it, it's, it's about controlling the message. Um, that's what you learn you hear in every single one of these little lectures, control the message, control the message, control the message. Ultimately that that's what, uh, what it's all about is just controlling the message. The way you control the message is, is, uh, controlling anything. Like really you got a virus. Here's a disease that's dividing an entire nation because everybody just gets so emotionally and politically involved with it. And one sector of the, the, the population controls the message here. Uh, the media is the one that controls the message with that. You control the message, you control the population, you control the votes, um, you, you control elections that way. So uh, I can only look at it from, from that side of it. I, I'm sure they're, they're, it's much more complex than that. But I know in, in my political arena, uh, the, the little political career that I had was no matter where you went, no matter what you attended, it, that got always, every single time, control the message, control the message. Um, it works great when you're doing uh, CNN interviews and stuff like that. Um, but it, it's it's also a great way to control elections. What did you run for? I ran twice for uh, State House of Representatives here in the state of Colorado. I also was the chairman of Juntos con Romney which was the Hispanic arm of the, the Romney campaign. Um, yeah. That's interesting. I, so I had a, a four month short lived uh, campaign for state assembly here in Nevada. Yeah. And then I ultimately, I decided to pull the plug. Um, and he, the, this, the, the parallels are interesting. I, I hadn't put that together until just now that to, to hear somebody say, control the message, control the narrative, all that stuff. It sounds very conspiratorial. It sounds very Orwellian. It, it, it does. <laughs> but but it's, but the way you just laid it out there, it starts with the individual who just simply wants to win the race. Correct. And you're being told by your advisors and, and those who have gone before you, like, stay on point, stick with your talking points, Correct. don't deviate, you know. And that flies in the face of what I think we believe or want to believe that um, – good responsive governance of the people is about. We, we, we would like our people to be um, representative of the whole and be able to think on their feet and answer questions as they come and not just gravitate back to two or three avenues of, of discussion. But when you think about the people who are our elected leaders, um, whether or not they're representative, <laughs> they're elected leaders and they're making decisions. If, if all they've known and practiced for a long period of time, all their, their habits are is control the message, control the message, control, you know, stay in charge, stay in charge, stay in charge. Then it makes sense that when you 
have a message to send, then there would be less deviation from that message. And to deviate threatens egos, it threatens um, intent, it threatens power structures, it threatens all sorts of things. If, right. if what you've done is say, hey, script this, don't, don't freelance, script it. Um, that's really, man, that's, that's powerful. I, I, I had not considered that. And now yeah. my mind is like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and that's one of the reasons why I just got out. I got, I just got out of, of politics. It, I mean, you, you never fully get out. It's still, there's still something in there that, that you love about it. Um, but that, that was part of it is just the, this seeing how, how I wanted to fight for freedom in, in my fight and pursuit for freedom. It was, I was being controlled. So it was, it was this, this idea of like, you got to be controlled in order to be free. And it, for me, it just doesn't, just doesn't work out that great, which is one of the reasons why I just don't get where this country is going. Cause it, it seems like we want more control in order to be free. Well, you need, you need to wear a mask. And if you wear a mask, then we'll let you free in, in, in a couple months instead of a, a year or two or whatever. And, and, and it just, politics is very similar to what, what's going on right now in, in, in the U S and, and it, and it, it just keeps going. And, you know, in the inner cities, when you talk about mental health, it, it just, it increases that, that alert. So it does create this, this hostility. Cause at some point you, you, you just snap. Like you, you've been on the red so long where, where I, I'm a criminal. If I do this, I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. If I do this, if I don't wear a mask and I'm an idiot, if I do wear a mask and I'm an idiot, like no matter what I do, it's just, so you get to a point where it's just like you're constantly on yellow, red, yellow, red, and it just, it, it's never ending. It's just this continual process and your body, your soul, whatever it is you, you want to look at it, um, it, it just, it never gets to rest. There's, there's no rest there. And that's horrendous. Yeah. So when you're talking about always being in the red, our, like our brains were not designed to handle that level of alert all nope. the time. Um, we, we were designed to handle it, but only for moments of crisis. And then we, you know, the crisis passes, but what we've basically been trained to do lately is, uh, be in crisis for months on end and Correct. without a break, which Correct. is in, inadvertently breaking us. It's not good. We're all, we're all on edge. Um, you mentioned, you know, you're going to, you're going to snap or, or break. I, I can't remember what phrase. Well, you used there. that that's, that's just what, what happened. So for, for me as somebody who, who grew up in the hood and I actually didn't learn this. I like, I never understood this until I did my, my previous uh, documentary, which kind of led to the documentary that I'm making now. The previous documentary was focused really a lot more on, on gun violence in the inner city and how, we kind of deal with in different organizations that are, are trying to help with that, all that stuff, inner city violence. And then I met with the counselor who happens to be a, a friend and I, I interviewed her. And that's one of the things that she mentioned. She, she um, now looking back, you're like, okay, well that's everything that I've been feeling that that's probably why it, it was there. Cause when you grew up in the hood, you grow up in gang activity, you grow up fearing, uh, a rival gang. Me personally, I was never in gangs, but my, my brother was a gang member. I had cousins who were gang members. It, it was just all around me. So you were constantly on, on high alert because you, there could be a drive-by and you can die at any moment, at any mm -hmm. moment. Not only that, but you got, again, a government who tells you if you do anything, we're going to take you to jail. So you're afraid you're going to go to jail. 
And oh, by the way, we'll keep you safe, but <laughs> yeah. not in your neighborhood. <laughs> not in your neighborhood. So it, it, it's it's one of those things where where you're just constantly afraid of of both sides. So it's on high alert, and it's very easy for you to just break down and just say, you know what, fuck it. You know what, it, it, this is like what what am I doing here? Like no matter what I do, no matter what decision I make, it's going to be a, a bad decision. My life's going to end up a horrible way which one is not necessarily true it just isn't mm-hmm. true um but that's what you've been told your 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 entire life and that's what your environment tells you as well because you see friends go to jail you see friends overdose you see friends get shot you see friends joining gangs and um my brother's been shot at twice i've been i've been shot at. i've had a gun put on my face like this is all stuff that that does happen and constant that constant high alert this recent shutdown like i almost lost it like as soon as it happened like because it, it for a while I, I was no longer in the inner city i i understood that i didn't have to live in the red anymore i understood that i could be calm and and you know i, I i'll have my ups and i'll have my downs but i can still you know survive i don't have to be in that red i, I can meditate i can have conversations with friends and stuff like that and then the shutdowns happen and it all it like took me back to the hood almost instantly because oh. it's just like now I'm back on red again. Because if I if I run my business, um, the government's going to shut it down. If I don't do it, I'm actually in that fight right now with, with the with the, a sheriff here where we're we're going to enter litigation because it's just do I run the business the way I'm supposed to or not supposed to? Do I completely shut down and not feed the family? So it, it back again to this like no matter what choice I make, um, it seems like I'm making the the wrong decision yeah in the counseling profession we call that a double bind and i've got this working theory that so far hasn't been debunked i won't say it's universally true 100 percent of the time uh because there are uh, biological factors there's genetic factors whatnot but but environmentally if you're placed in double binds where you're damned if you do damned if you don't Mm. time again time and again week over week year over year especially through childhood and adolescence Um, you do develop some mental illness. And sometimes that rises all the way to the level of psychosis, where you end up having to launch out of actual reality and create your own reality because you can't reconcile these Correct. these competing terrible outcomes. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, in some terms, we can call it emotional hostage taking if you're in a, if you're in an abusive relationship and the, the person who's abusing you is putting in these double binds, you know, things like, you're not going to, you're not going to eat all that. Are you, you better finish your plate or, you know, or else you're going to starve. And by the way, they're starving kids in China, but don't get fat. They're like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) And now imagine you just describe a Mexican's life right there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, we laugh, but, but because it's true, like it resonates with everybody, right? Very Um, true. Growing up in an Italian household, I can tell you there are lots of double binds, but there weren't enough to make me go crazy. It's just, you know, um, hey, consider consider these these multiple points that I'm throwing at you. And uh, and by the way, you left the door open. We're no, not going to heat the outside. Th- this year, I it's it's kind of I had to create. Uh, I don't think I got to that point where it's just like I, I completely separated from reality. For me, it was very very conscious. I, I had to make a decision where it's just like you know what I just need to protect the family because when they broke in, you know, I'm dealing with the government. I, I, I'm I'm dealing with with uh personal struggles i'm dealing with all that stuff and then you ha- you have an idiot um well a group of idiots break into your store and and try and, and steal stuff and that obviously is going to affect 
psychologically. And I had to make a conscious decision. Like, you know what? I'm going to end up hurting a few people, but I, I need to focus on the family here. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be upset with me and, and I'm not going to like it. I'm, I'm going to hate the fact that they're going to hate me. But like right now, I need to protect my wife and, and my four kids. And that's who I need to secure at this very moment. And I'll, I'll deal with uh, the, the legal stuff. I'll deal with all that other stuff. Um, we'll deal with it later because we, we made, we went, we went from having uh, gun stores to all of a sudden, like in a matter of, of, of seconds, we, we, before the cops even arrived, my wife and I are like, yeah, we're good on the whole retail thing. Like it is, it's not. Well, give, give it, some context to that because it's kind of an interesting story. Uh, you know, following you, I, there's probably a lot of people that are listening that haven't followed you. Yeah. Uh, and, and that whole, I want to get to the whole, like Bob Marley, Sheriff Brown type <laughs> deal that you're into, but <laughs> also talk about your store and how that got robbed or attempted robbed. Yeah, it wasn't attempted because we were here. I, my wife and I were actually sleeping at the store, which is not uncommon because, well, it gets late. You're working, doing paperwork, ATF stuff, and it just doesn't make sense to go home. So just stayed here. Um, and I was going to have to go to Colorado Springs to do a class anyway. So it was closer, easier to get to the highway from where we were at. Wait, you, have, you, have a, you have beds? multiple beds or a bed the, at your store the floor with just blankets and pillows and just wow hit the floor yeah, yeah, yeah the joys of um, entrepreneurship man it's just very very high class um and so about four in the morning uh we hear a crash well i don't hear the crash because i could sleep through anything uh and that was one of them one thing that i couldn't sleep through was my wife screaming um and then she says there's there's somebody trying to come in um so uh i I requested a handgun (laughs) to to which i got a which one (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so uh yeah it it was all said and done i mean we we were missing a whole front store uh they they basically just drove a truck through it uh drove a a truck through it and which which store uh, was that was that the one that i was in when i came out to see you for the yeah the one in we were not not the one that you were at not the thornton one okay the very first time when we had that that kind of get together that okay so 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 to for everybody that's listening the way that his store is set up is he has this storefront but then he also in the back has this huge area which is all training Correct. I mean, That's where we did the training. And yeah, all. you could do training. You can show movies, like right. You have a Correct. big screen and everything. So Correct. you were back there, and they had drove driven through that front entrance where the. I was actually were. in my office, which is right behind the the retail area. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. So talk about weird timing. Like you Correct. decided to stay there, and then <laughs> crazy. Correct. Um. So, yeah, that happened in we were already not having fun with, with the retail side of it. And that, that's a whole complex issue. Um, and then this happened. And, and one of the things that we had already talked about is how multiple stores have been hit multiple times. So it's not just once they get hit and then they'll come back a few months later. Um, there, there's basically any gun store within a 20 mile, mile radius from where I'm at has been hit multiple times, not just once. So when that happens, they're like, I don't want to go through this again. I don't want my wife to go through this again. Um, 
my kids, even though they weren't here. I mean, when I went to go pick them up, because, you know, for parents, like when that happens, one of the things you want, you just want that comfort. I think for anyone, really, you just want that comfort. You just want a hug or like, holy shit, we're safe. Like everything's okay. Um, So I could only assume for my wife, it was just like, holy fuck. Like, I I just want to hug my kids. I I just want to like just kiss those kids and then I'm alive and nothing happened and it's kind of like that victory like yeah so I went to go pick up my kids and obviously they come here and the whole store is just gone basically because a, a, a car went through it so psychologically for my youngest daughter to this day she's just like oh my god burglars are gonna come in um like it, it's still she wasn't hearing it she's still thinking about that thinking about how we need to set up alarms and get security and like she's like she's seven. Like this is right. this is not something that a seven year old should be thinking about. And, and that's not and that's not atypical for kids to hear stories about somebody else's experience and then to lay eyes on it. You know, ne- yeah. you know, no less uh, to then start imagining it and applying it to their own lives as though it's it's just as likely to happen. You know, in the home, right? Correct. So, so if you if you're experiencing that, um, that is that is something that is not unusual and um it can be overcome but yeah yeah and it will but for us it was just like yeah it's is is owning a store and keeping a few people happy um for whatever reason um or do do i just say fuck it i'll deal with all the legal stuff and i'll deal with all the the financial stuff later because um insurance isn't paying for for the glass window because uh because that they do what they do and well your policy says this and your policy says that to this day we haven't been repaid for that um so for me it was just like yeah let's just shut down i'm gonna make a very selfish mode here i'm gonna piss off a lot of people but ultimately my my daughter's um psychological health is much more important my my wife's mental health is much more important my own mental health is much more important than than any other um outcome or consequence that that may come so so jake one of the cool things about edgar so the history of edgar and i actually um edgar threw an event uh denver gun days right um Mm -hmm. correct me if i I get any of this wrong or i saw it differently um but it was i went i flew out there to meet with mental health america the day before this event and hung out. I was going just to hang out with Edgar, Maj, and Rob. And Walk the Talk America was still just a, an idea. It was still just a concept. You know, we had started the process, but we didn't have, we're not nearly where we were, where we are today. Um, on his flyer, it said there was going to be a mental health professional <laughs> speaking. Um, <laughs> so I went as kind of just, an observer i was like i can't wait to see the mental health professional rob pinkus like gives this whole speech to the crowd edgar's talking to the crowd um and then rob just brings me into this fold no speech prepared (laughs) nothing hey get up and talk to this room full of people about walk to talk america so i go up and i'm not like edgar just just so the listeners understand uh edgar also does stand-up comedy 
and he doesn't prepare for that either. So, uh, <laughs> I know. yeah, he, he'll go out to open mics and just let it fly. So, yeah. uh, there's a uniqueness there. In, in, is this in, thing on or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've seen and then, it. And I, I, I know off. this is how I know, I know he does this. Um, but it was really funny because I got up there and, you know, looking back on it, thank God some of the people didn't ask certain questions because I really would have been. I would have been out there, you know, we didn't have answers like we do today for things. Um, but what was really cool is, you know, when Edgar was wrapping up that piece of it, because Maj was in another room talking, you know, there's speakers going on. You know, Edgar was like, uh, I struggle with my mental health. You actually told the crowd that. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we forget not too long ago, it was kind of a taboo subject in the Second Amendment. Correct community right yeah. to, to to say those things and then at some point Edgar said uh you know I'm gonna be working with walk talk America whether they like it or not which I knew then I was like this dude is cool <laughs> like this dude is cool he's definitely gonna be working with us and you have you've been instrumental for yeah. walk talk America with your work on our website um all that stuff Jake that was done the, from that was Edgar <laughs> the the old one not the nice one <laughs> yeah well but it does, you know my whole point is that I, I i'll always appreciate you for that help because you know i could always call you every day and you would pick yeah. up the phone and i'm like can we do this can we do that and you're like i'll look into it, it yeah. it's and that's what's funny jake is like this man is like the hardest working dude in the second amendment community he's a trainer <laughs> you know he's he, yeah he says no to nothing i mean when it comes to mental health stuff so it's pretty cool yeah, I appreciate that. No, and, and that's one of the reasons why it's been so so important for me. And it was nice because I knew I wasn't the the mental health guy. I, I just knew I wasn't. One of the reasons why I knew this is just I I've I had talked about my my mental health issues. Um, I had talked about it. I, I've have been open about it. I've been open about uh, my wife's issues, uh, my suicidal thoughts, and and all that stuff. Everything in the past. Um, and let's be honest, it's stuff that I still struggle till today. Like a lot of people get, when they ask me, Oh, like, what kind of gun are you carrying today? And I tell them I'm, I'm not, um, th there's days where I wake up and I'm just like, you know what? I'm just not feeling so, so hot. Like I'm, I'm just not, and, and I have to be conscious about that. And it, it's not deep stuff. It's not deep rooted stuff, but like, I, I don't want any, any fucking temptation whatsoever at any moment so it's stuff that i still struggle with it but I, I found out early on it's just like people for me they just didn't take me as seriously with the mental health thing it was just more because i'm the jokester i like when i go up that's kind of my defense mechanism is just if you meet me one-on-one -on -one, I'm, I'm very introverted I, I'm, I'm not i'm not very secure i guess if you will um so a lot of that joking when i'm with the crowd and stuff like that is just if i get them laughing it's just it, it kind of feeds the ego a little bit to keep me going to the next segment. Uh, so it's, it's really more than anything else, a defense mechanism uh, for me, but it, it's hard to be taken seriously when you're the jokester, but also trying to talk about mental health. So when I heard about walk to talk America, I was like, well, fucking he, we finally have an organization that we can look to. And, and, and this guy's going to be the face of it. And it, it's very easy to be like, yeah, we, we just, instead of, Oh, we do it. Like, no, somebody else does it. We're just working in, in conjunction. Makes it a lot easier than, oh, that, that short, fat Mexican that says a lot of jokes at, a gun, at, at the, the gun classes, he's a mental health expert as well. Like, no, I'm just, 
I can only tell you by my experiences, but here's a lot of resources that, that, that we have. So that's been a good, a good, uh, fusion, I guess, if you will. Yeah. The other thing, Jake is uh, every year he usually, I mean, this year's obviously. Yeah. This year's year. So 2020, but every year he throws an event of some sort and invites media, invites all these people to come and show and to learn. And he's had me there two years now in a row. Um, but that's what I mean. You do so much for the community. Uh, your connection to even uh, the, the Hispanic media, you know, talk about that. I think that's that's very interesting too. I think you fly under the radar for some reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it is weird. Like I can't I can't say um, just to complicate things even more. And part of my 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 mental health struggle has been I, I was a, an individual who got kicked out of his house when he was thirteen years of age. So as you're growing and that happens to you, you it, 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 it kind of fucks with you. Um, and, and my relationship with the Second Amendment has been very similar. I, I, I shit you not, very, very similar to my relationship with my mom. Like, I'm always looking for that affirmation. And, and uh, every once in a while, I was like, ah, good boy. Like, you're doing okay. But for the most part, like, it just isn't there. Like, I'm working my ass. I'm like, God damn it, Second Amendment, take notice. And nothing happens. But at the end of the day, I just appreciate the the activism. And one of the things that I've learned is like I have to be the 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 what is it the 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 guide or the leader or something that I wish I I, I had uh, um, in entrepreneurship. Like uh, that's one of the things that I learned. Like I have to be that mentor. Uh, that's the word I was looking for. That mentor that that I wish I had. Um, so when, when I started doing the gun thing, one of the very first things that, that I started doing is reaching out to, to Hispanic media, Spanish speaking media. Um, and now I, it's to the point where no matter where I go, like I, I'm kind of the guy for, for the two A stuff in Chicago and in Miami and Orlando and in uh, DC here in the state of Colorado. Uh, cause it just isn't there. It just isn't there right now. One of the things that we can appreciate and it's amazing to watch, but also I'm quite envious of it is how uh, the black community is having like this renaissance of, of, of just a lot of leaders just popping up. You got Mastre, you got Kevin Dixie. I, I mean, you got Argo J. You got like the, the list just goes on. Rhonda Mary, um, uh, Devin Perkins. I mean, the, the list is just fucking insane. And then you look at the Hispanics, it's just like you got short fat Mexican. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and now you're starting to get like uh puerto rican pistolero and, and latina lock and loaded and um uh, uh franco what's her name um oh i, I can't remember her name oh gabby uh, gabby gabby franco yeah gabby yeah franco. sorry yeah, so yeah. so you have a few but it, it's nowhere near as huge as as the black community is it's just something to be envious about so that's why hitting the, the the Hispanic media has always been just so important to me because it gets ignored um, and it gets lost. You just don't see it because, again, it's a taboo for us. I would be remiss if as the mental health guy on this podcast, I didn't drop in the idea that um, it people who may be listening, who may have some insecurities, may be hesitant, may have their own baggage that they're carrying, listening to your story, like I would invite people to shake off their their residue of whatever they they think they're bringing in that's obstructing their success and listen to what edgar just said about i had to be the guy to be the mentor because there wasn't anybody 
um, I'm reminded of a story once that I heard about a um, guy who was doing some stuff and somebody was like, well, it doesn't have to be you. Let somebody else do it. And he's like, everybody else has passed it over. It is Correct. me. Like I have, I, this, yeah. <laughs> there isn't anybody else. Correct. And in so doing, it's really interesting to see that like the, the notoriety, the, the great, the, the thanks, the affirmation that you're seeking is in taking on that role. Correct. And it may not be quite the celebrity done that we've been led to believe is, you know, the, the, the paramount existence of all is like, you're not on the cover of people or time, but people around, you know, who you are. And like you said, you go to those cities who, who gets contacted you. Yeah. Right. So that is, that actually is the affirmation and does it pay the bills? Mm, probably not, but does it move society forward? Absolutely. Yeah. Man. And, and it gives inspiration and motivation and encouragement to all those who may be sitting around just casually observing and, and our message is like, we're just a bunch of dudes who looked around and were like, here, there's, there's a problem here. Let's go solve it. And let's Correct. not wait for somebody else to do Correct. it. You can, you listening audience, you can be that person who goes, yeah, I'm going to do it. What's one thing you can do today to, to help move that forward? You can write an essay. You can, you, even though it's scary, form a podcast, shoot a YouTube video, um, or just, just post something friendly and uplifting on, on social media. It doesn't have to be cantankerous and divisive all the time, you know? Correct. So, I mean... I'm just meeting you for the first time virtually. And even though I've heard this from Mike for the last year and from, and from Rob and Kevin and, and all those guys you just mentioned. Um, and it, and I had no idea that there was that much going on behind the scenes and that's super cool. And everybody's got a role play and maybe that plays into your introversion, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I want to uh, know about the, Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go, no, go for it. Go for it. Um, I want to know about the gun holding program because uh, Sarah Albrecht from holdmyguns.org has got this thing going where um, she's going around the country now. She started in Pennsylvania. She's starting to get more and more um, enthusiasm and and um, and support behind shops and ranges that'll hold hold on to people's guns if they're in oh, for whatever reason. We call it mental health crisis, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. It could be, you know, grandkids are coming over for the weekend and we just don't want the guns around. Yeah. Um, but there are absurd and ridiculous laws that stand in the way that um, say that you have to get freaking background check to hand them to your you know next door neighbor while the grandkids are over and that's stupid and we know that's stupid correct um but again power and control and all that stuff um she's got this organization that's trying to get people to legally house firearms for whatever reason um you've been doing it for a really long time though just like ad hoc on your own at your own place yeah correct and and it's something that that we we've always promoted really because again i i understand from as an individual who owns guns but also struggles with with mental health um and really the way i struggle with it right now is very different than i did 10 years ago and stuff like that it's just completely different um but when I was first getting into guns, uh, one of the very first things that I had to acknowledge um, was that I need to get I need to get right with my mental health. I, I need to get it right. And then again, looking at like, okay, well, what are the options? Like, if something happens and I need to just get rid of the guns, or like, what are the options? In the state of Colorado, we we've kind of got it good, in the sense that before 2013, you didn't have to go through background checks, but even now. You can you can loan it to a friend or you can leave it with with family members uh, without having to go through a background check uh, if it's a loan um, for up to 72 hours. So even that gives you a little bit of leeway. 
Um, and also for immediate family members, you don't have to go through a background check at all. None whatsoever. So Colorado kind of has that, that, that going for it, but it's still a struggle. If you have somebody who's, cause it's embarrassing some, sometimes to say, um, you know, what? I struggle with mental health. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt myself. Here's my guns. And then you have a family member who now just looks at you completely different and does it loses respect or you're afraid of that anyways. Um, it, it's easier to take it to a store. Um, now what we do is, uh, we, we maintain the guns. We gunsmith the guns. A lot of what, what happens is a lot of these individuals, if they leave it for a certain amount of time, they have to go through a background check all over again, which isn't an issue for, for a lot of them, but there's a cost associated with that. We'll do it for free. Um, but every single time that happens, it's just, it's another bill that you have to pay. Um, but if you gunsmith it, this is, this is why laws and, and ATF rules are so stupid. Somebody can bring me a gun for repair and leave it for a year and as long as it's the same person picking up the gun they don't have to go through a background check but if they if it's a person who's leaving it on consignment or for for storage or whatever they can come back they can drop it off leave for 30 seconds come back and they'd have to go through a background check all over again so it it just these, these laws are just not very friendly for for a circumstance like this where where somebody wants to do the right thing but and and that's why it's important for us to be like, yeah, a lot of people are probably listening like, well, that's kind of shady. You don't know what they did or you don't know what's going on. But for me, it's just like I'd much rather them bring them here and have a friend and me and and, and, and get all Toy Story with you and all that stuff. And uh, but every time that that does happen, we've we've built that relationship and, and you're com- comfortable bringing the guns here every single time you may have been going through an issue instead of me being that place of like, well, that's fifteen dollars. Well, that's going to be twenty five dollars now, mm-hmm. or now we're going to have to go through seventy five background checks in order for you to get your your gun, because uh, the next time the the chance of you being comfortable with bringing them here uh, is going to decrease every single time you have to go through that. It's going to decrease. Uh, one of the things we want to do is just make it as easy as possible for that individual, and and if it means we're walking that fine line of, of legality, then then for me it, it's well worth it. Well, and the bottom line is if you legitimately take in a gun thinking that you have to repair it oh, and the we, person we, doesn't course. come back for 90 days, you still have to give it back to them, right? And Correct. and so rather than them figuring out the loophole, you just beat them to it. And you're like, hey, <laughs> wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, he has a very good uh, – so I've been to both his stores, and he um, he he puts out the literature, the Walk Talk America cards there, but he also puts out more literature, right? He puts out literature for other things as well as – uh, Jay, kind of going off of our idea of making people aware of where they could go that are 2A friendly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he does put out literature for, for places that you could go if you need help. Um, for counseling services, counseling by the way, for, if, if people don't know, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Right. So it, he has a very chill approach, too. So, like, he'll watch people go over to the cards and he'll see if they pick it up, put it in their purse, or, and, and he'll leave them alone. But if they want to talk about it, he'll talk to them about it, right? And that's, you know, everyone's always so concerned, especially the, the gun owners I talk to, because they're just like, well, I need, to be, I need to be aware, and I have to worry about straw purchases, and I'm doing all this stuff. It's like, no, you don't, dude. You, you can actually do this and really be low-key, hands-off. Like, you can Correct. kind of observe 
what that person is feeling and then go from there because Edgar makes a great point. And the point Edgar, and I'm gonna let you talk about it is if the person puts it in their bag, then they're probably going to go, they don't want to be talked to about it. They want to look at it later mm -hmm. privately. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and for us uh, on, on the legality side of it is just, uh, I'm not a cop. Like I'm not going to pretend to be a cop. I, uh, that's not the job that I signed up for. Um, and you do get a lot of gun store owners who are like, well, if they're doing that, then, how is that going to look on me? And is it like, for me, it's just like, the, if the ATF was really concerned about this, they would do something about this. Like they, they would, um, in fact, I don't want them to do something about this, to be honest with you. I, I actually want them to do a lot less about it. Cause again, we were, we started off this podcast talking about control and, 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 um, that, that red alert and stuff like that. I've gotten to the point where it's just like, I'm, I'm not the cop. Um, well, what if they go and then they, you don't, run the background check and they don't do that like i i think if this individual has is comfortable enough with bringing their guns to me the likelihood of them actually doing something wrong is a lot less likely than if i'm just an asshole to them the entire time and then giving them the third degree and you need to do this you need to do that because i've been there the last thing i want to hear um and 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 being married i i've 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 understood this like the last thing anybody wants to hear is your opinion <laughs> uh <laughs> so, sometimes what people just sometimes what people want is just like that 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 friendly nod i'm like man that sucks dude mm -hmm. like I, I i don't know how you're you're getting through this but you're gonna get through it and 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 man that sucks like most people don't want to hear, oh, this is what you need to do. Oh, you should do this. You should do that. Like some people just like, just shake your head and just sit with me at the table and that's it. I, I say regularly to as many people as will listen that we are not in an advice giving profession in psychotherapy. We're in a profession whereby we create a space that's conducive to make change if people desire change. And then we can give perspective and we can hold mirrors in front of people and we can certainly educate. Um, and if solicited, we have to be very careful about offering our opinion because sometimes we end up enabling the problem instead of uh, helping them solve it. But here's the, here's the bottom line. If I give you a piece of advice and you take it and it works, I've solved your problem, not you. And that creates a dependence, which is not healthy, nor is it ethical. And if I give you that advice and you take it and it doesn't work, then you hate me or Correct. I do harm, which is unethical and not desirable. So we, I think when people start to you know train themselves up for this kind of thing, they think, oh, I got to have all the answers and I got to study all these theories. It's like, no, you don't. You just got to sit and be present and validate it's really really easy to validate and be like man that's awful yeah i don't have the answer either and if you can sincerely sit in somebody else's distress they're way more likely to trust you the next time around that's how rapport building happens correct and, and that's what i want to build i, I don't want to build this 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 hostile environment where somebody comes in and says, I've got mental health issues. And then I give them the third degree. You don't even have to say that. You just say, there's probably been plenty of people who did have mental health issues and just left their guns here. Cause there's been plenty of times where we're like, when is this person coming back for their yeah. gun? Like I've got their gun mm -hmm. and they're still not here for their gun. Like all we were doing is cleaning the gun. Like, I don't know if that person was just too embarrassed to say, Hey, I've got mental health issues. And they're like, Hey, clean my gun. And then three months later, they come and pick up their gun. I know if I drop off my gun, like I want that shit back tomorrow, like like, <laughs> I, I, like I, as quickly as possible. So um, I have left a trumpet at a cleaning 
for three weeks on end now, and I still haven't gone back to get it. So <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe some yeah, people get just... busy sometimes. But, but yeah, to your point, you're right. Like you don't know what's going on, and the fact that they don't have to tell you is indicative of the relationship you've already built and the presence in your community that you that you carry. That's that's pretty sweet. That's I mean, that's what we all desire, right? Is to be trusted as as people and as as business owners. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and here's the thing: is people ask me like, "Well, how do you not know you're you're, you're not doing something wrong?" Like, I I just don't know. I'm just kind of like with with my kids. Is just when I first had my 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 kids, it, it was like, ah, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And then it, later on, you you figure out like I'm probably fucking something up. Like something's probably, probably going wrong. Probably, <laughs> but I'm just doing the best thing I can do. Uh, I'm doing as good a good a job as I can do, and and I know my intentions are 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 good. I'm not I'm not trying to create a a an environment that's worse to anybody. Um, and and if I get something wrong, then unfortunately we we just learn from that, and then we we just move on. Um, I, I had a customer who. And I just seen it. It was I was scrolling through Facebook, and somebody posted on a group that I followed, and it was a GoFundMe for this individual. And I seen his picture. I'm like, hey, that dude looks familiar. And and unfortunately, he had committed suicide. Um, and you go through these things, like like I I hold guns. Like, do these people not know about it? Did I not talk about it enough? So you get to this like quick little like guilt trip of like, holy shit, am I not doing enough? Uh, for this stuff and you get to a point where it's just like there's probably nothing i could have done to to change that that situation like um but next time i maybe i need to be a little bit more sensitive and stuff like that it's not i'm not down on myself but at the same time it's just like it's definitely a learning experience um it it is tough to resign oneself to the idea that you don't have control you know with with, with what kicked off the podcast and Um, allowing liberty, freedom, autonomy, those are very, very scary concepts scary. for people who are not used to letting go of control and embracing mystery and, and being okay and tolerating uncertainty, which our, our culture doesn't push. Our culture doesn't push non-attachment. Um, we push guarantees and quantifiable outcomes Correct. and certainty, right? So, so there's, there's a, a belief system that we're already fighting, but to allow somebody to make his or her own decisions, even if they're, the outcome is what we would consider poor um, is, is very, very challenging. And it's not to resign yourself to negative outcomes. It's simply to honor and respect somebody else's own process as they go through life. Uh, my, my good friend and mentor uh, for many years, Christian Conti, has said uh, repeatedly, there's two types of people in this world. There's people with issues and there's dead people. So if you got <laughs> issues, you're like everybody else. And if yeah. you're alive, you got issues. So yeah. it alleviates a lot of judgment. It welcomes a lot of people into the conversation says, Hey, yeah, we're all struggling in some way, including, you know, me, I do this for a living. I teach parenting and family systems for a living. And, you know, I, I'm yelling at my kids all the time or I'm like, Oh, why am I yelling at my kids? I, <laughs> I should do this better. Compassion. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're all, we're all in the same boat. And, and as long as we, I think we, we have the wherewithal, the respect and honor that people make their own decisions and to think that we're supposed to somehow control those decisions based on what we think is best for them um, is is a fallacy, and it's it's probably dishonorable at the same time. Then we're going to be in a healthier spot too, so we don't have to constantly run in that guilt of like, what could I have done different or better, or more? You know, the answer Correct. is lots, but also not much. 
Oh, at the same time, it's a weird paradox. It is. It is. Yeah. That's two doctors, right? Paradox. <laughs> Wait, hey, hey. Rim shot for the comedian. Hold on. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, don't we have that on our? our, our we, we have I, I, I would. Well, you got you got your setup. Mike and I have these uh, boards that we. Oh, I just bought mine, and they they come with pads pre-programmed with like rim shots and laughter and applause and. Yeah. One of these days, we'll we'll do drop ins like we're the the morning drive time radio show on the <laughs> FM station. Yeah. So Edgar, what, bicycle horn. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about too, because we're we're nearing the end of the show, is is how is the I know COVID kind of threw a wrench in the documentary. Um, you are doing a documentary on mental health and firearms. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's that slowed down. I was hoping to have the documentary done by the end of the year. Or at least getting near towards the the, the end of filming, anyways. Uh, obviously, there's there's a couple months in editing and and, and choosing the right music and and uh, all of the the technical stuff. But I know a mental health guy if you need one. Yeah, I, I'm I'm definitely gonna need it. And and I had a few um, I had a few uh, interviews lined up. I was trying to get one in in, in Washington. Um, I had one down in Colorado and then once that happened, it was basically everybody's just freaked out and didn't want to, uh, meet, didn't want to, to fly, didn't want to go anywhere. And, and so I think now it, it, everything's starting to slowly pick up again. Um, but it's, it's, I'm, I'm hoping to now have the, the documentary done, uh, unfortunately late 2021. So it really did set me back a whole year on finishing the, this documentary, but the documentary is about mental health and guns. Uh, the working title for it right now is, is stigma guns and mental health in America. Um, and basically my approach is always apolitical, uh, although I do have an opinion and, and I hope it doesn't show on, on, in my movies. Um, I always want to talk about, I want to go to people who are actually making a difference in the topic that I'm talking about. So in, in this respect, I, I want to talk about people who, who run mental health organizations who maybe struggle with mental health. Um, I, I also do want to highlight, uh, I say it's apolitical, but on the political side, I want to highlight the hypocrisies there, how a lot of politicians do like to talk about how they're going to fix something, but in reality, it, it, they don't really do a whole lot except kind of get in the way. Um, my first documentary, the name of that is Rhetoric, All Talk, No, Ad- no Action. Um, rhetoric, re- Rhetoric, my ESL kicks in here all the time. Uh, Red Rob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll Talk, No Action, because it was just, we've we seen how it all works in the U.S. You, you get a lot of people who just say, oh, this is what we do, this is what we do, and, and they look pretty for TV, but in reality, you, you kind of follow the work and follow their money, and they really don't work for, for what they say they're going to work. So um, it's important to highlight groups like Walk to Talk America, Mental Health America. Uh, now with Devin, uh, definitely going to need to sit down and talk to him. We were doing the, the program that he's doing. Kids to Kings. Uh, Kids to Kings. Uh, fantastic problems. I, I want to interview people that are actually doing something to help uh, the mental health and 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 firearms. Um, that that weird gap that that nobody or more people are starting to kind of check out. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the idea that um, people end up you know they try to help but then they end up hurting because two of those great examples just hit Nevada. 
uh, last legislative session, there were a couple bills passed that, um, you know, on, on the surface seemed to be helpful, but in practicality, they're, they're awful. One is red flag laws, which, um, through the, the, the misinformation that are, that spread, uh, winds up actually creating an, a barrier to care when people need to get help because they invariably end up drawing the conclusion that by seeking care, they're going to lose their second amendment rights. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, but there's still this, this misinformation that says, you know, counselors are going to take my guns. And so what we've seen is a lot of people who own guns, including military, both active duty and retired and, um, and law enforcement, um, as well as other first responders who just are gun owners, uh, who are in high stress jobs that don't want to go get counseling for their marriage, for their children, for whatever, because they, they're afraid that they come in and say, yeah, plinking in the desert with my kids is one of my great stress relievers. The, the therapist who knows nothing about firearms is going to pick up the bad phone of the government and turn them in. And, and it ends up creating more harm than, than it does good. And the other one is expanded background checks, which we've already discussed ad nauseum about how you, you know, if you're in crisis, you can't just hand your, your firearms over to somebody who's trusted without going through the stupid process. And that acts as a barrier to care. And we end up with more dead people on our hands. And it's, it's just, it's just poorly thought out because they didn't, the politicians didn't think to have people like me at the table when the conversation was going on. And I would have been more than happy to do it. I was in Carson city the whole time, passed my own bill about my own people who rank dead last in the country in mental health but that's not yeah on this topic <laughs> well i i think it is on topic though because that's kind of where where the documentary kind of highlights is just that that again as a nation we look to these people to help us and we say oh there's a red flag law so now we're safe and again it's just like no we're not safe it's making it worse uh, we've seen DV, it with DV survivors don't want to get held because they think they're going to get their own defense mechanism taken away. I mean, it's awful. It, it's, it's horrible. I mean, we, we seen this, uh, with COVID where we were, being held where we're safe to protect the, the 0.05% that, that could potentially die in it, but suicide increases and, and child trafficking increases. And, um, all of these horrible things are attributed to, to the, the lockdowns and people being home and, and not going out, getting cabin fever, and 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 just the, the sh- losing their job and all that stuff. Again, it's just, you got a government who's who's really not doing anything. But then you have the Devin Perkins and the Mike Sedinis and, and the Jakes. I'm not going to say your your last name. Um, Andy Young. <laughs> Andy Young. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you have all these people who are actually doing stuff that people need to know about. So that we don't rely 100% on 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 the government. I, I don't know how the red flag laws work everywhere else, but here in the state of Colorado, they actually do not address mental health at all. So it was it was supposedly passed for mental health purposes, but when you read the bill, there's nowhere on there where once they take your guns and they deem you to be a mental health risk, uh, that they're going to give you any mental health. Uh, at all like that, that's not- that's actually that's actually a huge hang up and um one of the things that uh, gianni pirelli points out in his book um the behavioral science of firearms which is like a 600 page literature review on um, this very topic um 
almost every red flag law across the country that I've studied, and there's, I don't know, there's almost 20 of them now, except for New Jersey, basically says um, only judges um, and, well, only judges, but immediate family members in law enforcement can petition a judge to take your guns. Correct. New Jersey says any person. So that's the only difference there. But none of them, while they absolutely articulate the path to rights restriction, do not articulate a path to rights restoration. So you got a bunch of courts, judges who are doing this ad hoc going, mm-hmm, I guess we'll ask somebody to evaluate you. And then the evaluator, me, you know, in some cases goes, I don't know if I'm qualified. So one of the things WTTA wants to do is um, com- compile a class whereby we get a certificate program in order so that we can at least wave a certificate in front of a, a judge's face, say, hey, these people at least can are confident in their competence to evaluate somebody who's had their firearms revoked, and then we can restore that privilege. Correct. Right now, everybody's just kind of running blind because the, the elected officials decided to give this path of restriction but forgot to the restoration component. correct yeah no it, it's it's a big cluster and, and it's unfortunate and, and but I, I think in all of this is I, i've learned again in politics is it, it's very hard once a law has passed to to yeah to take it back it, it's 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 almost impossible but it's it's very easy to highlight the people who are actually putting in work and, and highlighting good resources out there for for all of that stuff. So, Hey, um, I got a heart out because, uh, my family's yeah. eating dinner across town and I got to drive there, but, um, I want to take over this ending real fast for you. Yeah, Thank go you. ahead. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to dip out. Um, but Mike, you can wrap us up. Edgar is an absolute pleasure to have I'm you. I appreciate it. Um, and to the listening audience, we, we totally appreciate you tuning in and listening to what we have to say. I love your Dunder Mifflin shirt, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Try to un try to unhear that theme song right now, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll see you guys. All right, All see right, you. Appreciate it. So uh, anyways, not, let's just dive back into the yeah. the mental health aspect of of what you do. Because I do feel like you do uh, a lot, right? I, I, you know, you're giving us compliments, and I appreciate that. Uh, but you definitely do a lot for the community. What do you do for your mental health? Well, one of the things that that I, I I've had to do, and I, I've need I. So there was this this period in, in, in my life where I was just a um, without digging too too deep into it, where I was just a complete jerk to my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the worst husbands that she could probably ever even dream of. Um, it got to the point where it was just like, okay, I really love this lady. Um, I, I really do see myself being with her for the rest of her life, but I also acknowledge how I'm hurting her. Um, there, there's the, the psychological effects that, that are being, uh, that I'm putting her through is just, it's just unwarranted. It's just not. So one of the things that I had to do right then and there at at a point, and, and she could attest to this probably a lot better than I can, where it got to the point where it's just like, all of a sudden it was just a quick shift. Um, because for me, it was just like, okay, I, I need to analyze everything that I'm doing wrong in my relationship, everything that I'm doing wrong in my marriage if if this is going to survive if if this is going to go any further so in that i i i needed to acknowledge everything 
that I'm holding on to that my mom did everything because again getting kicked out at 13 it just it messes with you psychologically it, it just it, I don't I didn't develop the way I was supposed to psychologically I didn't like emotionally uh I was a kid and then all of a sudden like hey you're a kid and then get the hell out um you're you're just out to the world so it, it was that self-evaluating the, those moments where it's just like, okay, like I'm legit doing something wrong. Like it's not just somebody saying or acknowledging or, or me hurting somebody and seeing their pain. It's just like, no, I am legitimately doing something wrong. So I, I have got to correct it in the mental health aspect of it. Every time that I now feel insecurity or every time that I now feel um, like I'm just not good enough or, or whatever. Like I have to sit myself down and, and, and tell myself like you're, um, sounds counterproductive, but it works for me. Like you're, you're, you're being a fucking idiot. You're, you're being dumb. You're, you're stupid. Uh, again, I'm, I'm trying to get myself out of that, but in that same way, like I got to yell at myself, like right, right. Th- these are the reasons why you're doing it. You, cause, um, I think we all know why we do the stuff that we do. Like we all kind of know what that pain is like. It's just, we hate acknowledging that there's, there is a pain there. There is a flaw in, in that system. So for me, it's just, it's just, I've got an issue and I've got to find where that issue is and then deal with that issue. So a lot of my insecurities were, were stemmed from, okay, my, my parents hate me. I've always wanted them to value me. So now I got to find, and then it's a hard maze that you have to go through, um, find where the pain is at, and then just be like, okay, you're never going away, pain. Because I think that's what a lot of people think is just like the pain's just going to go away. Like you're never going to feel that again. But now I know it's there, and now I can come to terms with it. Mm-hmm. Now I can just acknowledge it's there, it's existence, and now I know how to deal with it. Uh, no different than, than my weight. Like I'm, I'm a fat dude, and, and I, I don't like it necessarily. Um, but I've have to acknowledge when I get insecure about even just small stuff like that, where it's just like, yeah, I'm a fat dude, whatever. Like it is what it is. Like I've, I've made a conscious decision not to work out. So ultimately it's my fault. <laughs> so it's just like, I can't get mad at it. Like it just, it, it is what it is. Like it's my fault. Either come to terms with it or change it. Those are my two options. So, uh, right now, Oh, my, my, I'm going with the option of I'm just coming to terms with it. Slurred into love. Accept. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, listen, man. I trust me. I, I I went most of my life. You know, you talk about the weight thing, and it's kind of funny because my friends know me, and I think we know each other enough, well enough that we get each other's sense of humors. Yeah. And busting balls actually means we like you. It doesn't Correct. mean you know, like if you're not getting your balls busted by one of us, probably means that. We don't like you at all. We don't like you. We have not accepted you. <laughs> yeah, but so I, I, from from 2012 basically till now, I I put on an insane amount of weight, right? Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm tall and I'm I've I've got a big frame, so I, I carry it very well. But all my friends that knew me or know me the, yeah. my whole life, yeah. I mean, when they saw me, they would flat out just be like. You got fat. <laughs> you got fat. <laughs> I remember one time sitting at a pool party with my buddy Chris, and in you know I barely see Chris because he lives in um, he he lives in Texas. But he we're sitting at the pool party, and he looks over at me and he goes, "What the fuck happened to you, man?" Yeah, he's yeah. like, "You used to be all good looking." He's like, "You got gray in your beard." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And of course, I start cracking up. But I mean, that is a thing that you know I. I'm cognizant of it and I hate myself Correct. sometimes for it, you know? Correct. Cause I'm like, I could, 
I mean, I don't know how many times I've just detoured where I was like, you know, you're going to get on the treadmill today or you're going to go jogging. Like my daughter invited me to jog today. Correct. And uh, I just somehow avoided her all day. <laughs> well, and, 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 and that's the thing is just like when when I feel down on myself and I know where the pain is coming from, because it's there's a difference when you're like, I just don't know why I feel this way. That's when I get to the point where I just start looking for where the pain is at because I need to know where it's at because once I know where that pain is at, then then I can understand it. Not only can I understand it, but I understand what what, what how to counter it. So I use the weight thing every single time that I talk about this because it, it gives a good example. A lot of people who struggle with, with weight issues, well, you got only two options. Like <laughs> either go run with your, your daughter like, or, or accept the fact that you're fat. And that, that's it. Like, like you, you've only got one person to blame and that, that's really yourself one way or another. Yeah. So it, it just I, I can't. I can't be down on it because if I do get down on it, it's, I'm allowing myself to become emotional about something that maybe I shouldn't be emotional about, or I'm going to do something about it and, and, and correct whatever it is that, that's going on. So that's how I deal with my mental health is just a lot of self assessment, a lot of self evaluating and, and hopefully a lot of just self healing and, and, um, just improvement self-improvement just on on a daily basis like i want to be better today than i was yesterday it's a cliche but that's a lot of a lot of searching for a lot of pain um especially if you come from my story isn't it's relatively unique and it's crazy and when you look at the complexities but it's there's other people going through stuff i mean it's just not not as unique as i want it to be um everybody's going through all this so so it's just eh, just just dealing with it and just improving and making sure that i don't i don't the stuff that i hate gonna get rid of it right all right yeah i have i have no problem with cliches by the way i think they get a bad rap <laughs> I, 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 yeah, yeah you know i i tell it it's funny because i always point it out when i say something cliche but then yeah. I, in my mind i'm like i'm only pointing that out because I'm trying to beat them to the punch of being like, oh, so, so yeah, yeah, cliche, yeah. but cliches yeah. help, man. It's, <laughs> it, it, I mean, that's why we have them. Cause yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They're Absolutely. good reminders, man. Well, yeah. Uh, all right. So we've kept you long enough, but I, I want you to tell everybody where they can get a hold of you and, and find out what, you know, everything you're doing. Yeah. Um, all the social medias, all the standard stuff, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter. I'm not on the parlor stuff yet, uh, or parlay, whatever that is. Um, but it's guns for everyone on Twitter, guns for everyone on Facebook and guns for everyone on Instagram, but Instagram, if you're trying to use, uh, the search thing, uh, there are spaces, Twitter and Facebook don't have spaces and guns for everyone in Instagram. It does, but they're underscores. Um, right. The underscore is yeah. a huge thing. I know Correct. there's been a couple of times I've tried to like type that in and I have to remember the underscores. The I'm underscores. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, that, that's where everybody can find us or our website guns And what's the, you still doing the trainings right now? Are you doing? Yeah. Training. That's what we're, we're back to focusing on is, is the training. That's kind of what, what one of the things that got us started. So we're, we're back to focusing on that. Uh, the retail, we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, for right now, it is it's on a on a pause though. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense for everything you've been through lately, and we'll see how this all shakes out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to thank my sponsor, Arms Corps. You heard about the Arms Corps deal, right? Yeah, yes. man, that's huge, man. Huge. That's awesome. They they have been talking about um, ramping up their involvement in WTTA for a while. They've been putting the gun, the card, you know, the mental health yeah. card in all the boxes, um, and they had helped out before. But now they've just taken it to that next level, and it was really cool because they're like, look, there's not enough uh, companies in the industry that are getting behind what you're doing. Correct. And they need to see, like, a start. <laughs> and, Correct. Uh, you know, because before, you know, the main the, – the you know, there was a few, but the main one was my company, which is Eagle Imports, and then I sold it. So I'm no longer Correct. affiliated with them, and they're, they're run by somebody else. So Correct. they're not as involved in WTTA as I would like, but – Arms Corps really filled that role. So I, I want to thank Arms Corps for helping us out uh, with these shows and everything like that. It's been awesome. Um, no, that's huge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for those listening at home and they want to help out because WTTA helps out everybody uh, that they see fit. You know, we have that Kids to Kings program we were talking about with Devin Perkins. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're heavily involved in that. Also, Edgar, the stuff that you do, I, I want to help get this uh, – documentary you know out there uh, to fruition so if anyone wants to help contribute to that they can do it obviously through wtta if you go to wtta.org donate um you know help us out there's no we have no paid salaried employees there's nobody everybody does this for jake does it uh, rob pinkus everybody does it for the love of the game um nobody's taking a draw you yeah. all the money that goes in there goes a hundred percent to what we believe in and our programs and policies so, yeah. you know, please go there. But, dude, thank you for coming on. I appreciate uh, it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we will uh, hopefully at some point be able to walk the world in a normal manner and uh, re- <laughs> <laughs> reconvene for, yeah, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. all right, brother. Thank you so much. Uh, all right, man. Have a good one. All right, take care. We'll see you, man.